Welcome to Happiness and Inside Job. This is episode 63, Coronavirus with Kara Atkinson, and I'm your host, Connie Atkinson. Happiness and Inside Job is the go-to resource for Christian parents wanting to effectively communicate with teenage and young adult children utilizing powerful life coaching skills. What if I told you your children don't need to change anything in order for you to have a fulfilling relationship with them? You can change everything about your relationships with others by merely changing the way you think about them. Imagine the power you find when you stop depending on others for change and you create the change. Suddenly, you stop being the victim and you become the hero of your life. Welcome back, everyone. Usually, I don't do the same topic two weeks in a row on my podcast, but this week I am making an exception because so many people reached out to me and than my perspective on what happened with my daughter being so sick with the coronavirus. So many of you reached out and said, please have your daughter talk because my kids will listen to her more than they will listen to me. They want the perspective of a young adult who's actually had the virus. Kara, I think so many people don't really believe it's real. I think in the minds of so many teenagers and young adults, they feel like it's this virus, it's this fictional thing that exists in China and not necessarily right here. And wouldn't you say you kind of fit into that category before you actually got it yourself? Yeah, I think I did, but it hit me like a train. (laughs) It sucked so bad. Right. And I do want to clarify, you actually were keeping with the rules that the governor had laid out at the time, which was groups of 10 or less. Right. Yeah, I was following all of the guidelines and everything, but I wasn't super concerned about it. I mean, I felt like if I got it, I wouldn't even show symptoms because it was only like old people that were actually getting sick from it. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but the more I heard about the symptoms, the more I just kind of felt them, even though I hadn't been around anybody that had them. So it's kind of hard to know if you really are sick or if you're just worrying about it in your head. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, I'm so busy and my life, I felt like my life couldn't stop, you know, like my social life couldn't stop. My work couldn't stop. My school couldn't stop. And so when like, even the day that I started feeling symptoms, like I just was talking myself out of everything and I'm like, well, like maybe maybe I feel chills. Like I could convince myself I have chills. Like maybe my throat hurts a little, but not really. And then all of a sudden, like this massive fever hit and there was just like, there was just no way I didn't have it. So you would say the fever is what clued you in that something was really, really wrong. Yeah. And it was a, a really bad fever. Like it was everything that came with a fever. It was a headache. It was full body chills, and a temperature. And I had been checking my temperature all day because I had been nervous. I had been nervous about it. And just because I think I kind of felt it coming, but I was talking myself out of it because I didn't want it so bad. And so that night I was with a group under 10 like it was just a small group of people that we like got together we played some games 
and we um, watched a movie. And it was during the movie that I, like, the chills were so intense that I just, like, went upstairs and took my temperature, and it was 103. And my my roommate, Rachel, she came upstairs, and she was like, are you feeling sick? And I'm like, I feel okay, but I have 103 fever. So, yeah, it was actually insane. So I walked downstairs to where everyone was still watching the movie. I, like, paused the movie, and I was pretty far away from everyone, and I just said, hey, guys, um, I have 103 fever and chills, and I think I might have the coronavirus. And everyone just, like, stared at me. <laughs> everyone just stared at me for a second, and um, they were like, okay. And one of my friends, he's so sweet, the first thing he said was, do you want a priest of blessing? And I was like, yeah, I think I do. And then um, everyone was just like, I don't know what to say, you know? So then I felt like I should call the coronavirus hotline, which I had called before, um, just when I was like nervous about things, when I don't, didn't even have any symptoms. But I, so I went to the other room and I called the coronavirus hotline and I told them that I had 103 fever, that I had been around someone who tested positive with the coronavirus 13 days before. And, um, that, yeah, that I had chills, just that I had all the symptoms of a fever, chills, headache, and the fever. And they told me that it sounded like I just had the normal flu and that I should be really careful and like kind of treat it like the coronavirus, um, even though it's probably just the flu. So I came out from the room and I was like, good news. I don't think I have it. It's the flu hopefully, but I'm going to have to self-isolate anyway. So, okay. So just to clarify, you knew something was really wrong when you got that crazy, crazy high fever. But when you consulted the Corona hotline, they told you not to worry and just to self-isolate. So nobody else got your nasty flu bug. And then what did you do from there? Yeah. So we sent everyone home and then me and Rachel decided that I would sleep there for the night. And then I would do my self-isolation um, for the weekend at my parents' house. So here with you guys. And so I went to bed without taking any medicine, which was the dumbest thing because I went to sleep around one and then I woke up at five, literally in a pool of sweat. Like, I don't think I've ever sweat that much. Like I was just drenched. The whole bed was drenched and I had seriously one of the biggest headaches I've had in my entire life the ones where you're like there's no way this isn't doing permanent brain damage <laughs> like it hurts so bad and so I like was saying Rachel's name trying to get her to like get up so she could get me medicine but she couldn't hear me so after laying there for like a half an hour I crawled upstairs it sounds super dramatic but I my head hurts so bad and I got some medicine and I took it and I was fine um I slept through the rest of the night and I woke up the next morning and got a couple, just a couple of things and, and made a tough call to you. <laughs> yeah. So literally you thought you were coming home for a couple of days to hang out and be pampered by mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I was thinking, it was Friday, I was thinking I'd come home for Saturday and Sunday. At Sunday, we were assuming Rachel would be sick by that point and I would just come back to our house and we would just both be sick there together. That's honestly what we thought was going to happen. But um, Rachel didn't get sick. I got more sick and like just miserably sick in that room where I just lost track of days. And little did you know that when you once you entered that room, you were not going to leave for 15 days. I know. Yeah. (laughs) So which was so cute. Like when I first came home, well, okay. When I first made the call to you, your first thing that you said to me was, you're not coming home. Do you remember that? No. I remember saying, of course you could come home, but there's going to be a mask and Clorox wipes on the porch and you're to only enter the house if you have a mask on your face and Clorox wipes on your hands and you're not leaving that room until you've been fever free for at least 24 hours. Yeah. No, you said that once you understood the situation, but you're when I first called you and I'm like, I'm feeling sick. I think I'm going to come home. Your answer was like, you're not coming home. We are all fine. <laughs> and I was like, no, here's the situation. I don't have any place to be because I can't stay where I am. And like, I don't, I don't have any other place to go. And so that's when you're like, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have a mask for you on the porch and Clorox wipes and you're going to go straight to the room. And so that's what well, I did. I'm not going to lie. My first thought was this really sucks because we haven't been hanging out in groups of 10. We have been self-isolated here at home trying to stay well. And here you went and made a choice that you thought just affected you. And it turns out it's not, it's now affecting all of us. And then quickly I realized, of course, I'm not going to turn my baby away. Of course, you're always welcome at home, but here are the rules. (laughs) And I understood, I understand that. And I know you. And so, um, I was like, I'll, I'll play by your rules on this and I'll wear the mask and I'll stay in my room. And it was so cute. When I first came home, my sisters had, Emily and Ashlyn and Megan had made the bed look like a hotel room bed and they had lit a candle and they had like put treats and water bottles and they, they were so cute about it. There was like this picnic basket. It looked like you were going to have this little picnic and you couldn't have cared less about food. Yeah. Yeah. And the cutest thing about it is they left a note that was like a hospitality note and it said, if you need more water or treats, please contact. And it was your number. They wrote down your number, but they had written the hospitality note. I just thought it was so funny because they were like, we would love to help you. And then they put down their mom's number. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So lots of people are super worried about getting this. So did anybody who was with you the night that you got the fever, did any of those people ever get the coronavirus? Not a single one of them even showed symptoms. So they, they all were in quarantine after I tested positive. But by the time I tested positive, there was only six days left until the 14 days. So they were in quarantine for those six days. Um, and they stayed away from people while I had my massive fever because we were pretty sure I had it anyway. Um, but none of them ever showed symptoms or got sick. 
which is super lucky, honestly. Like, I'm so grateful that that no one got sick. And then even through being in this house so sick, I mean, we were really, really careful as I was here, but I'm super grateful that none of my siblings or your dad got sick. Yeah, so it's interesting that even your roommate that you were with 24-7 up to the point that you got sick never showed a symptom. Yeah, it's really interesting how many people I really, I would have thought would get it that didn't get it. But, and how many people show like small symptoms and test positive. And then I just got kicked on my butt. Like, I don't know anyone else that has gotten as sick as I was. I mean, I know there are people obviously, but no one that I know personally has gotten so sick. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how badly you got kicked on your butt. So your thought before you got sick was, well, I probably won't get it. And if I do get it, I'm young, so it's not that going to be that big of a deal. And then I'm going to have immunity, and then I'll really be fine, and I can just live my life. So do you still have those same thoughts about coronavirus? Well, obviously not. Like, it sucked so bad. So if you had to sum up what was the very worst part about coronavirus, what would you say? Well, it's funny because I went to the ER for breathing problems because my oxygen saturation was so low and I couldn't breathe. But that really wasn't that bad because if I wasn't moving, it wasn't a problem. The worst part was the fevers. I've never had a fever that gave me so many symptoms like massive headaches, nausea, and um, the just so much like sweat. I was just like sweating all the time. And it was so uncomfortable. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with a couple nights in a row, I was at 104 point, they got up to 104.7. And I would just dread nights because my fever would spike and it would just be horrible. So what advice would you give to teenagers and young adults that are having a hard time staying at home? I don't, I don't know. I don't want to answer. I don't want to be like, Kara, do it for the parents. <laughs> Stay home. But because even if you don't get as sick as I did, if you got your parents sick, it would be even worse because Nurses just kept saying to me over and over and over again, like, thank goodness you're so young. Um, when I was in the ER and then when I was just admitted to the hospital, like several people said that to me. And there was a point where I was watching nurses get in these like full body airtight suits to take care of people. And I asked the nurse, I'm like, who who's bad enough that they that they need that and I was confused because because you felt that bad yeah and I had the coronavirus so who I don't know how could they be worse than that you know but since they were in how do you say intubation they were intubated so the air particles were smaller so they had to be in completely airtight suits and it's because they were older it's because this guy, this guy was like 45, they said. So that's not even old. And, 
and he I think his oxygen saturation level was just like so much lower than mine and he couldn't breathe on his own at all yeah so as scary as it was for you it was it's even scarier for a lot of other people so many people have it so much worse than you do exactly that's what was interesting to me when I was at the hospital was that I was to everyone that knows me, I was like in critical care because I was in the hospital and I needed I needed more oxygen. But at the hospital, I was the lower low, lower level of sickness there. Like there were so many people that were actually in critical condition that were that were intubated that needed so much help. Literally fighting for their lives. Yeah, exactly. And there were some points that were scary for me th- that that my health was looking very bad, but it was never to the point where it's like I'm actually like there's an actual real possibility of me dying right now. So for me as your mom, one of the worst parts about all of this is that there was only so much I could do for you. I could leave food and water at your door. I could call you. I could FaceTime you. I could babysit how much you were eating and drinking and I could check up on you but even going to the hospital we had to drive in two separate cars I couldn't even drive you to the hospital and the moment when I had to leave you at the hospital and you had to stay and I had to go like ripped my heart out of my chest like that was the all-time low for me that was hard because there was only so much that you can do but I am so grateful for the care that you gave me. Like I got the best care that I could have from you. Like even though you could only leave my food at my door. Um, I'm so grateful that I was able to, to be home and to be taken care of here. But when I went to the hospital, it's cause I for sure needed to be there. Like I couldn't take care of myself in my room like I needed to, and like I had been doing in the past. So this was horrible and miserable, but was there any good at all that came from it? I think there was. I think my biggest positive takeaway was just how many people care. There were just countless, like hundreds and hundreds of messages that I got, and then I know that you got thousands from your um, Facebook posts that you did. Um, But just through my Instagram DMs, like, I started replying to them at one point and then I took a break and I just started scrolling to see how many they were and I just kept scrolling. There were hundreds of messages that I never even opened. Just an unreal amount of people telling me that like their entire family was fasting for me or just that they are thinking about me or praying for me. And that was huge. That was huge to feel that from people. And there was one point in the hospital when the fast was going on and I was just thinking about how many people cared about me and loved me and were fasting for me and I just like was bawling there in my hospital bed. (laughs) I think my main motivation for talking to people about it and for going public on Facebook was because I, like so many other people, felt like if this hit my family, which it probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be that big of a deal because we're all on the younger side. And suddenly, I realized just how, like a slap in the face, just how scary this was. 
And I thought, there's no undo button for what happened to you and what happened to our family. I mean, our family was very much in it together. There's no undo button for that. But if there's anything I can do to help prevent this from happening to anyone else, I am all in, no matter how much hate mail I get. Right. And I'm glad that you did. That same day that you posted about it, I had a FaceTime call with the doctor and he said, your mom's post was awesome and she's going to save lives with just by being open about it. You should post about it as well. So I finally posted about it and I had been in isolation for like eight days at that point. Yeah. And you had been, you hadn't been quiet about it within your group of friends. Anybody that you were with knew that you potentially had it and knew to be careful and watch for signs. Right, right. One of the most common messages that I got from people were from moms who said, please tell your daughter, it's awesome that you're talking out, but it's, it would be even better if your daughter would speak out so that my kids could see somebody young and healthy who's their age who actually got their butt kicked by this. So I know that so many people appreciated you're speaking out, you're being willing to step forward. Right. I think this is really, really hard for my age group because we're kind of displaced. Like we were living in college apartments and then all of a sudden college towns are ghost towns. And then some people moved home, some people didn't, but we don't really have a place. Like our friends are our family. So it's hard to know where to be and what's okay. And just picking your small group of who you will be around and not branching out from that and not spreading um, spreading the virus by being social like we're used to is really hard, especially when all of a sudden we have all this free time, no work, no like online school. It's the perfect recipe for super fun social get-togethers, but it's just not the time for it. Kara, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. And my friends, I hope this helps you to know how to better communicate with your children about the coronavirus. I also hope this stands as an example of how our actions don't just affect us. They have a ripple effect and absolutely impact not only those closest to us, but those that we come in contact with as well. Until next week, I hope y'all stay home and stay healthy.